Hey everybody, this is Dean with LSG Media, and of course, Recommission, the Battlestar Galactica podcast, which you guys have been listening to faithfully for the past 10, 11 weeks, and I just want to say thank you for doing that. Now, you are about to hear the conclusion of our first season um, coverage, which of course is Cobalt's Last Gleaming 2, so you're about to hear that in just a minute. But I wanted to break in on this recording first. This is like Dean from the future, which is crazy, because this episode you're about to hear was recorded a long time ago. And uh, I'm breaking in on it for some news about the show and the future of the show. So, Matthew and I have pre-recorded out to the episode titled Fragged, which is the third episode in the second season. Now, it is currently, what am I seeing here? Uh, March 16th, Friday, okay? On March 16th, we're releasing our final episode, which you're about to hear, Cobalt's Last Gleaming Part 2. Then we are going to take a three-week break in between seasons, which means we will be off on March 23rd, March 30th, and April 6th. And we'll be returning with our Season 2 coverage on April 13th with Scattered. On the week after that, we'll do April 20th, Valley of Darkness. The week after that, we'll be doing Fragged. And then at that point, all of our back-recorded episodes are released, which means Matthew and I will then be recording our Battlestar Galactic, our Battlestar Galactic coverage live. Um, that's right. LiberalStreetGeek.net slash live. We'll take it to our Mixler page. And... That's where we'll be recording episodes live. So you can actually be part of the conversation. You can be part of the episode. Um, We're going to start doing some listener comments and things of this nature because we are no longer sitting on banked episodes that are over a year recorded in the past, which is awesome. Now, currently, the plan is to record at least the first half of season two once per week and release it. Matthew and I are not sure we're going to stay committed to that schedule because we want to continue to provide go- to provide bonus content for our members. Um, we promise our members a new piece of bonus content every month. Matthew and I want to endeavor to make that at least a couple times a month to keep the value of the membership where we believe it needs to be. Uh, that said, if that's the case, we might end up doing ba- Battlestar Galactica episodes every other week. But for the foreseeable future, we're doing one a week starting on... April 13th with Scattered. On April 20th, we'll do Valley of Darkness. On April 27th, we'll have Fragged. And then on May 4th, we'll be releasing the next episode and we'll probably be recording it on the 30th of April. So we're probably going to be doing our Battlestar Galactica episode recordings on Mondays. So just keep your eye on the schedule, Um, which of course, if you don't know, is LibertyStreetGeek.net slash scheduling. Bookmark this if you're a fan of this show. LibertyStreetGeek.net slash scheduling. Or don't. Just stay subscribed to the podcast and you'll get them when you get them if you don't really care about all the technicals here. But I wanted to let you guys know because there's a couple things that are going to change. Number one, we're going to be recording them live after Fragged. Number two, you're going to notice that we ditched the trivia segment. It got a little too much, of, to be frank, a pain in the ass for me. And it got a little too spoilery and I just wanted to ax it. Um, it was... It also made episode preparation for me too time-consuming, and I just didn't see the value in it. I had to watch an episode ahead of time so I could remember the episode enough to have the trivia for the episode prior, 
and it just became a clusterfuck. And I decided I was going to just jettison it and not use it. So we got rid of it, but we will be doing listener comments and things like that once we surpass the fragged episode, which is awesome. So like I said, currently the plan is to release one a week starting May 4th, but we might end up doing two or three a month instead of one every week. That's something Matt and I have to work out. Ultimately, I think what we'd like to do while I'm thinking about this out loud is record three a month and do one month bonus content and then one extra week that month do another piece of bonus content. So we're still getting two bonus contents out to our paying members because they pay us for great bonus content. And you should consider it too. LibertyGeek.net slash join. Check it out. But that said, um, hopefully all of this makes sense to you. Like I said, LibertyGeek.net slash scheduling and you'll kind of understand it. Our plan is to take three-week breaks between seasons. Our plan is to still continue to finish the entire series. Um, so that said, we will be returning for coverage of season two on April 13th with Scattered. And then on the 20th, we'll do Valley of Darkness. And then on the 27th, we'll do Fragged. And then we'll get into live recording in, at the end of April, beginning of May. So stay tuned for that. If there are any more uh, announcements that I need to make regarding this schedule, I might just drop a separate pod for that, just a BSG announcement right in your podcasting app. But I wanted to give you guys a little bit of preamble to let you know what was going on with Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast, which we've had a blast recording. We're really looking forward to getting after it in real time and we're really looking forward to getting some listener feedback, which we've been unable to get thus far because of the way we pre-recorded a bunch of these in secret. That said, I think I've given you guys enough to understand. Simply put, there'll be three-week breaks between seasons. We're looking to record at least two to three episodes every month live. With those other, with the rest of that time, we're looking to get bonus content to our paying members. God knows they deserve it. All right, that's it. Let's get over to the show. Welcome to Recommissioned, a Battlestar Galactica podcast by LSG Media. Hi, I'm Dean, and I've seen every episode of BSG. Hi, I'm Matthew, and I haven't seen any episode of BSG. On this week's episode, we bring you Season 1, Episode 13, Kobold's Last Gleaming, Part 2. My responsibility as president is first and foremost to protect and preserve this fleet and its future. In the end, that outweighs any other consideration. It has to. By taking the raider, you've placed our people on the surface of Kobol in direct danger. I'm very aware of the danger our men and women are in on Kobol. I am also deeply aware of the danger this civilization will be in if I ignore the pursuit of this arrow. I'm going to have to ask you for your resignation, Madam President. No. And I'm terminating your presidency as of this moment. Well, 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 we are finally here. The season one finale has come and gone. I cannot wait. I cannot wait to get my good buddy Matthew's take on the finale of season one for Battlestar Galactic. Kobold's Last Gleaming Part 2. We are here. Matthew Anderson, how are you doing this evening? 
I'm good. My fucking uh, my thirst has been quenched. Uh, this has been a long journey sure to get has. to this fucking point. I want to thank my mom and God. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did you guys feel nah, like you man. played well tonight? Yeah, <laughs> Coach said I did real good. Uh, put points on the board. Did real. I uh, did real good. I didn't tie this tie. All right, thank you very much. <laughs> we played the game we wanted to play, and uh, I just want to say thank you to my teammates and. Uh, yeah, I uh, yeah, Sam. I did the, the game thing. real hard, and we got a W instead of an L. Thank you very much. I'm bye. Boy, that's got to be rough. Not to go off too much of a tangent, but that's got to be a rough gig. Like, I, I guess, man, that, those reporters must have it rough because it's always the same thing. Oh man, it's always the same. Shit. Always the same thing, right? <laughs> always the same shit. What a tough gig. <laughs> How am I going to spin this as an interesting headline? <laughs> that's why they're always hoping to catch somebody saying something <laughs> stupid in the locker room. <laughs> wide receiver of winning team feels good about game he played. He's happy with his Lord as well as his family and his baby <laughs> girl who's turning one today. Uh, fuck. He's 21. All right. <laughs> his fifth baby girl. He's 20. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, so anyways, it's a battle star. It's a battle star Galactica. Um, <laughs> Dude, I, for one, this is going to be the first time where I, I genuinely think after we get off the mic here, I'm probably going to go ahead and watch the first episode <laughs> of season two. I'm like, I got to fucking know. I got to know. And that is not breaking the rules. It would only be breaking the rules if I watched also the second episode. Of season yes. Two. That I can officially, great. I can go into season two now. But, um, but fuck, man, I'm so glad we finally got good to this point. Um, and on the whole, I really enjoyed this episode. I mean, the, the way it's, especially the way it's paced and the way it teases out its reveals and finally does get to them while leaving some mystery, I think is sure. excellent. Um, that being said, I do have issues with a few scenes. Um, there was some stuff that bugged me in this part more so than the first part, I, I do think. Um, there were a few moments that felt a little bit like some filler. Um, not that I, you know, I, it was even, it was very watchable filler at certain points, but I still feel like, eh, it's a little padded out here and there. On the whole, the large revelations, fucking great. I, I, I really on board, totally intrigued. Can't wait to talk about Boomer in Ooh. this. And of course, the obvious fucking fate of Adama, which I'm going to have to go with my TV watcher's gut and say, I don't think Adama's dead. <laughs> I'm gonna, I don't think he's just fucking stone cold dead, although that would be some uh, gutsy move. That would be a very pre-George R.R. R. Martin move to make on television um but i do like my mind is spinning with cylon conspiracy possibilities and like really really like that, that's what i like about the show is that it gets my mind spinning in like to wild-eyed like fucking alex jones conspiracy <laughs> territory where i'm like maybe this will reveal that adama is a cylon but they'll understand that that they actually can still use him and he can like still be a good guy even though he's a cylon. like all sorts of crazy shit like i don't know and i don't believe any of it but i'm thinking about it it's got me thinking about all of it so yeah man this is this was fun this was a fun episode it's a fun season I'm glad we're finally wrapping this baby up yeah man it's been a long time coming i'm very happy that you have arrived here and I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say about this and uh, a lot of the reveals that take place. I'm also interested to see where you're looking, where you're feeling filler. Um, I watched this episode three times in the last week. Oh, wow. And okay. I've seen Wouldn't it many be. times before. And um, it's just great. I mean, it's, it's, there's so much uh, to talk about here. And um, I think we should probably just 
dive right in other than I guess my, I can give my initial impressions, which was more about my memory of seeing this episode. Now, you heard the beginning of this episode, if you're listening, you, the listener, and uh, you realize that Matt has not seen these and I have. And if you didn't realize that, well, that's the truth. So uh, Matt's excitement is because he's never seen this before. He's just watched it. Now we're podcasting about it. I've seen the entire series, and that's how we've tackled this podcast going forward. Maybe you just found this. Uh, maybe you just found this episode, and you're like, what's this all about? Well, hopefully the introduction tells you, and that's where we are at. We do opening impressions like this, and then we work our way through it. Uh, we did some trivia for the first 10 episodes or so, which we decided to kill for the for these this double part finale because it's too too much revealing. I didn't want to get too cute with the trivia and reveal things. Um, and yeah. we might bring that back in season two, but we'll talk about that at the end of the show. Um, but yeah, so that's what we do here. Um, so first of all, thanks for checking us out. And, and if you're new, thanks for stopping by. We hope you like the show. So yeah, man, when I first saw Colville's Last Gleaming Part 2, I fucking loved it. And um, there was so much going on here at the very end that I loved. First of all, I loved Gaius. I always love Gaius. I love that more stuff is going on with him. He's so dynamic. There's so much happening. Um, I really like the power play between uh, Adama and Roslyn. I also am a real big fan of um, the very brief stuff that we see out of characters that I want to see more out of at this point in the series, which is Adama, uh, excuse me, which is Colonel Ty and even Chief Tyrrell. Um, there's a lot going on with him here that really is going to propel his character forward into the future, which I think is really cool. But honestly, there's so much, so much cool shit here. And in a lot of mysteries start to reveal themselves, but then you start to realize that they're just bigger mysteries. Exactly. And uh, yeah. it's intense. It's intense. But uh, that being said, I do remember this episode very clearly. I'll never forget the way she shot Adama. I'll never forget oh, she being damn. Sharon. I'll never forget the way Sharon's face looked almost confused after the fact. Um, yeah. A lot of that stuff was very intriguing to me. And like yourself, I could not wait to get back to season two. Um, I was fortunate in that I wasn't watching it live. I was a little late to BSG, so I didn't have to wait. <laughs> yeah, I bought I'm the like, whole oh, DVD. <laughs> yeah, I bought the whole DVD set, and I was like, "Well, here we go." Um, which reminds me, I got to bring give my Blu-rays to Adam because he wants to watch them. One of our <laughs> listeners and one of my friends um, is like, "I've never seen BSG." I'm like, "Oh, I got the goddamn Blu-ray for you." But um, yeah, so. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be a blast to talk about. I think there's, I think there's plenty to talk about here. Uh, we were talking on the mics before we started recording about how it, it, you feel like you could kind of talk about this episode in 20 minutes because there's only really like four or five things that happen, and, um, and, and you probably could, but then I'm sure we're going to get into some of the subtlety. So without further ado, why don't we dive right into uh, to the beginning of this episode and, uh, and start... Right uh, where we left off, Raptor 1 crash site on Kobol. That is it. Fiery fucking crash. The Looks chaos like is amazing Ooh. here. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is good. Yeah, this is great. This is a great, uh, this is a great scene. This is uh, really good directing here. Um, I like the sound engineering does a good job. They, they make it feel frantic. They're all very Dude. dirty and grimy. They're full of soot. And, um, oh yeah, that wheezing, settling sounds of the metal of the ship, like coming to crush and fall apart as it, as it's sitting there. Oh, the heat, it. sure. And then, and then, of course, the dock gets he sort of gets pushed out. He gets pushed back. He's the last one, and um, 
He seems overwhelmed for a moment. And then this moment of peace washes over him, as well as this choir motif that we hear, this, this music that comes up and, it's, and it means something. There's a mysticism to this music that I love. Bear McCreary, again, he's great. And this peace washes over Gaius. And then she reaches for him. He reaches for her, sort of through the flames. She says, take my hand. Take my hand. She pulls him out, and then, of course, it's crashed down. Reality comes back. They fade the sound out. The sound rushes back in. Stay with me, oh, Doc. I love it. Right? They drag him out. They all move away from this burning hulk of hull, and it goes up in flames as they die for cover. Awesome. Yes, and that's pretty much the opening scene. Yep. Although Guy does wander away. And collapse on the grass. Yeah, yeah. he wanders away and collapses on the grass. I love it. Uh, yeah, this is good shit. Yeah, I like this. I like that, you know, I like that we see that outside of the Cylon threat and things of this nature, that something as simple as getting out of a burning, a burning crash is tense action if you direct it the right way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I love... Gaius's silence throughout this entire sure. scene too. And I mean, you, you, I feel like are even higher on, I like, I like Gaius a lot, but I think you are higher on the character even than me. But this is one of those moments where I am truly impressed by the performance, by Callus's performance just in general. Sure. Uh, when he is just, you know, he is the most, I would say confused or unknowing looking uh, Gaius that we've seen yet. Like he, he is truly, you know, bewildered, has no idea what to do. Um, you know, he, he became religious in a moment there, which I think he even never saw in himself, uh, basically. And, you know, saw Six as his, you know, guiding light, his savior. Quite uh, literally his, his angel with the white and everything. angel, yeah. Um, and when he goes out and collapses on the ground, I mean, he literally just falls backwards. And, like, you can see his head bounce off the ground. Like, he is just completely, has given up, like, physically. Sure. And it's funny that this all comes on the heels of him encountering Six down there. It was panic and madness right up until she came, and then this peace washes over him, this contentness. And, yeah. um, you know, you, uh, I've heard about this with near-death experiences before, um, people getting into accidents or something, and they're like, wow, this is it. And then they don't die. But they almost have this weird sense of peace sort of wash over them in that moment sometimes. Um, yeah. I just heard somebody talking about it. On, they got into this car accident. They Things were going out of control, spinning. They just missed it. And in that moment, they thought, fuck, this is it. In that really long extended moment. which is- I Wow. You know, it's funny that you say that because I have had that exact, same, <laughs> that exact same moment happen in a really bad car crash that I was in. I had it happen too, but we Oof. didn't get into a car crash. I just saw it coming. We were driving over the Howard Franklin Bridge in Florida when I lived down there, which is a seven-mile, really low bridge. And we were going so fast, and there was a car just dead stopped. And I'll never oh, remember. Shit. My friend was in, was driving, good driver, great reflexes, this kid. He was a you know really good martial artist, <clears throat> which may have helped. And um, I'll never forget, I, I rem- remember looking and seeing the car sort of askew and just stop like it had lost control, and we were flying. And I thought, we're going to hit this car, and we're going to go flying into the fucking bay. Ugh. And I was like, I think we're going to die right now. And he just, whoop, right around it. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Shit. But it was weird the way time slowed down in that moment. Yes. Um, yeah. And that, I that's, had a, um, you know, there's a, 
I was reading about this, and I'm not going to go too far from the tangent on this, but it was a um, that there's something to do there with your memory. It's not a sense of the way time slows down, but it's this way that your mind, I believe, is recalling extra details about that moment to remind yeah. you not to get into that moment again. It's like an evolutionary thing. Um, some were theorizing where, you know, you might get up and go to the movies and you have this memory of doing it, but not every single fucking exact detail. But in that moment, yeah. it feels like time slows down because you have all this information that you've acquired, like yeah. burned into your mind in that second. It's like the, the adrenaline is giving yes. you a temporary photographic memory. You're it's, like, well, I'm I'm picking up all this. Yeah, it's, that, it's really cool. I, I have, yeah, I remember from the moment, uh, a particular moment to the end of another moment, this this re- this wreck I was in where I, of course, wasn't fucking driving. I'm in the passenger to my girlfriend at the time and her car, this little rental car, uh, well, it was a used car, um, just started fishtailing. All of a sudden, we were on the highway with a grass uh, median in between, you know, two lanes and her car just starts fishtailing. She starts kind of slowing down and then the fucking steering rod just cracked and the thing went sailing off left off the highway into the grass median, hits it nose first, windshield fucking shatters, and we start going end over end, going over the opposite highway into oncoming traffic, and I could see cars coming, and I remember being upside down in the air, looking through the windshield, seeing cars coming, and being like, that's it, I'm fucking dead, like, this is it. And in that moment, felt really slow, like, in my memory, looking back at it now, it is this kind of glowing precise, you know, sunny moment that I remember really well of like, Oh, there they come. This is it. <laughs> I'm crazy, totally right? going to die here. That's crazy. And then we somehow landed upright on the other side of that highway and we're not a scratch. Crazy. 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 Whew. Damn son. So yeah, maybe that's Near what Gaius death. is feeling. Maybe that's what Gaius is feeling here. I'm not sure, but that's yeah, that collapse, that, that the collapse, way he collapsed yeah. is man. I was like, God, that's yeah, that's real. Awesome. So we cut right back to, I believe, 51 days later. Um, I'm sorry, 51 days in, not later. Yes. I was like, wait, what? (laughs) I was like, was there a time (laughs) jump in this? Did I miss that? (laughs) Uh, You fucking scared me for a second. I was like, I am fucked. Yeah, you watching the same episode, buddy? (laughs) Um, It's, uh, of course, Sharon and Hilo. Boy, I've really been waiting to hear your take on this conversation. I'm wondering what you were thinking about this stuff here. Man. This is, of course, post post opening credits. Yeah, so I like already the change of situation there is. You know, because the last time we saw them, they were sitting in the rain. You know, uh, him facing her, him out of the rain, she in it, and he's just pointing a gun at her, totally not trusting her whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I like here that she has a sling that he's standing there talking to her again. He he was refusing conversation earlier. Like I like that he's already softening back up to her again in a way. Um, he still stays pretty harsh with her in this scene. Like some of the dialogue here, man, like I, again, I found myself feeling so bad for Boomer in this scene. Like the way he's like, I don't love sure. you. I don't love you at sure. all. Like you're nothing. Like, like, and her, she reacts like she's hurt by that. Like I felt so bad for her. Like I have so much sympathy for her, even though she's a fucking Cylon, a fucking Cylon. But you know, the, the the biggest mystery of this whole scene is why does she, even if, even if she truly is like which which I believe um, is conscious of what she is, that she knows she's a Cylon and she is actually rebelling against the Cylons in order to help Hilo. Why is she wanting to tell him more, show him more? Like 
there, there, you know, she frames it as there's, there's something more you need to know. Like that's, that's part of what you got to understand. Like she's always still teasing further information, you know? And also I think this is the scene, right? Where she's like, you know, that relationship, you know, what we had before was important because we were getting closer to God. Like it was the next step to get us closer to God, um, which I get, you know, having sex, you know, producing Cylon human offspring, something like that. Like mm. there's, there's something going on as far as that goes. And, and I, that's still a mystery from this scene. I like it. So why don't we do that? Why don't we move through the whole piece between these two? Do you want to do sure. that? Because you, cause some of the stuff is, uh, some of this stuff is, well, it comes up. It's, it's all like, in other words, what you're describing takes place over a few different scenes uh, oh, you're leading right. up yeah. to him running into Starbuck, him being Hilo. So we got exactly. 51 days, Cylon occupied Capricorn. Sharon explains the arrow of Apollo um, and how it points to Earth. And he's like, what are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. Earth doesn't even exist. I don't care what's yeah. going on. I want to get back to Galactica. Like you said, you can see him losing his patience. Great stuff out of this guy, by the way. What oh, yeah. I need from you is a way off this planet and back to my ship. That's all he cares about. <laughs> I'll shoot you if you don't want to do that. And that's when she's like, listen, you can shove that tough guy shit up your ass, okay? <laughs> yeah. We're going to wait and until she reminds him, you'd be dead if it wasn't for me. We're going to move yep. out at nightfall. And um, that's what's going to happen. So yeah, she fires back a little bit here. But I was really curious as to what you thought about this. Like, you know that she had this mission. You and I have talked about some of the differences that you think between Caprica Boomer and Galactica Boomer. And I yeah. wanted to know, you know, you had some ideas like you thought that she was maybe doing this mission. And I kind of, what, and you're, and now you're wondering why, why keep it going, right? In a way, yeah. Like, why, why does she, why does she still want the, the arrow of Apollo? Why does that matter to her? Because if she, if because you know, which is the way I still lean, like I was saying, is that she is genuinely rebelling from the Cylons and trying to help Hilo. It seems like that she would at this point just be like, "Yeah, I'm with you. Let's just find a fucking way off the planet. Let's just get out of here." Which might not work on him at this point, based on the yeah. way he feels betrayed, right? But they talk some more. She's nervous, and she reminds him, "Listen, I have feelings. Um, what we had was important." And he's and that's when she says it was the next step. It brings us closer to God. And that's when he's like, it's funny that he fires back here. He's like, don't mock the gods. Those are our gods, human gods, not your gods. I don't love you. I love what I thought was you. And that's when she drops the pregnant bomb. Oh, yeah. This, oh, man, this was the first kind of shocker moment. Um, sure. But it makes me wonder. You suspected, though. You suspected. Yeah, yeah, like, you know, I I had it you know, as a possibility, but I was like, wow, okay, so that is confirmed now. Well, I mean, then again, we're taking your word for it. We're taking your um, word for it. Taking your word for it, but it does make me still. For one, her saying this makes Six's uh, stuff with Gaius later on make more sense okay. as well. Yeah, um, I think those intermingle in a way. But man, if this really is true, if she's pregnant then goddamn are Cylons more biological than I had even thought. Like, it makes me almost think they're just full-blown humans that are like super soldiers programmed and controlled by the Cylons. Now, we talked like, about this before. Now, we know that, that Guy's Baltar had to make a Cylon detector, correct? Yeah, 
So he had to make a Cylon detector because physical examination doesn't seem to cut it, right? No, yeah. Because if you take a guy like Leoben, who they had, they had a dead one, didn't they? Yes, yeah, they did. The one that Adama bashed his brains in? With a flashlight, yep. So they could easily just bisect him or dissect him or however it is and go, oh, look, he has a metal spine or whatever. But apparently (laughs) there was no way to tell. So this brings us back to some of the intriguing moments of this series that you and I have discussed, which is in your pursuit to make a human-like thing, you did so well that you also maybe picked up some of the flaws as well, which could be that there's this willfulness, that they are not, in fact, like the Borg, that they maybe have their own thoughts and feelings, which sort of interrupts this idea of consciousness that you were kicking around a little bit, but you did have, but you did have this theory where you thought, well, is she rebelling? What's it mean when they say her model is weak? Is she leading him on? Was the sex purely so she could get pregnant for some wacky fucking plan they have where they show this cradle at the end of this episode? Obviously, that's not an accident. No, not at all. So, yeah, there's a lot of questions that come up here. And, um, it makes me wonder what do you think's going on with Sharon and what she feels for Hilo, if anything, or is it bullshit? Yeah, that's the thing. Even if it is bullshit, I think she believes her own bullshit still. Like I think when she, I, I, I believe she means what she says. So um, you still are and, under the impression that there's sort of like a puppet master at work here that despite what she thinks and feels that she can still be controlled by whatever it is that directs these things. Yeah. And like, like I think we've talked about this before as well. Like what is the perfect spy in disguise, the perfect sleeper cell for, you know, the, is it a, a wonderful actor who can convince mm-hmm. everybody around them that they really are nope. this way, even though the whole time they know they aren't or somebody who you can, who believes themselves that they are this, like they are fully believing in what they're doing. And then you can just flip a switch and make them your agent. You know, like that's what you want. Like, I think the Cylons are allowing for their own Cylon agents to completely fall into the role and believe what they, that that they are human. They, the Cylons want that. Right. Um, and, And I think they still have some kind of, backdoor switch to whenever they want to just turn that shit off and make them a, a Cylon drone again. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's actually the, the most baffling part of their strategy is that they want their, their Cylons to fully invest and fully fall for the humans and get and believe they are. Yeah. That's interesting because it would seem to be that, you know, there's a high risk, high reward there. The high risk is that, they blend in perfectly. They're indistinguishable and they yeah. are human for all intents and purposes. But the, the downfall is after that switch subsides, they're going to have a lot of questions and being naturally curious, assuming we're going to go that they're perfect replicas of human consciousness, they're going to try to figure out what the fuck is going on um, and, and try to, to get that until they, that switch goes again. So, and that's, you know, you put yourself in that situation of, you know, you were waking up in weird places, having done weird things. You're going to try to figure that shit out. That could, you trying to figure that out could almost be a distraction, could almost compromise you. So it's weird, man. It's a weird give and take when you're yeah. when you wonder. And, and, but again, all this is speculation because what is the point of it all? Do we do we really even know at this point? Not really. But it's like I can I can already imagine 
an idea, like even even in season two, like I know I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't really go so far as to say this is my actual prediction, but I could imagine it's possible for the boomer who shoots Adama to even be like, "Hey, I'm a Cylon, and I know it. I didn't choose to do that. You know, contain me." And then it's like they find a way to actually turn off whatever the Cylons use to control her, and, and, and like now they have a fully allied Cylon or who she is like who wants to be on their side and now the Cylons can't control her like something like that even I'm like that could maybe if they found a way to fucking turn off that link and the the Cylon can choose to be their their self their their human self and, and or, or do whatever they want I think that would be like the biggest advantage for the, that that would be probably the the turning point of the the fucking conflict sure do you and I think I've asked you this before but it's been a while do you believe that descent in the Cylon ranks is possible? Well, based if just, I, just, I'm asking you to spitball yeah. here. I mean, if I'm going with my gut, I'm gonna say yeah because I do think that this, you know, the the Caprica Boomer means it. Um, therefore, her descent is real. Um, but the, the the question the question after that, like we've already said, is can they still just turn that descent off? Can they just flip sure. a switch? Which brings um, so, us back to which brings us back to Galactica Boomer um, on all the shit we were just talking about, like football switch. They have this thing. They have this curiosity. If they are in fact human, just look at just look at Galactica Boomer. She tried to blow her fucking brains out. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't seem like something you would allow if you had full control over her, right? Well, maybe they still had enough control to be monitoring and make sure she turned her wrist enough so that bullet would go out of her cheek. Yeah, I guess. And what put her out of commission? Yeah, for a little bit. Still alive, though. Still alive enough to shoot Adama. Black helicopters. <laughs> um, God. I like it. I don't know, man. It's wild. It's wild. This is the craziest sh- shit about the show. Um, in, in what, in, so we, against the backdrop of all of this, what do we have? What do we have going on? What we always have. What we always have in drama. And that's the humans fighting each other. Oh, yeah. This is going to make the Cylon's job much easier. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Saul and Ty discuss Starbuck. Adama thinks she was coerced because, again, we're coming right on the heels of her jumping away. Ty doesn't think so because he's like, nobody yeah. convinces her. Um, believe me, <laughs> I've tried. And, right? then, and then when the president calls, I love oh, yeah. Adama's line, bear witness. Yes, because he knows, man. <laughs> I I just what a choice of words. Yep. Bear witness. And Ty does. Witness me. <laughs> so fucking good. So Adama learns that Rosalind orders Starbuck to take the Raider for the unauthorized jump to Caprica. Um, she admits it freely to him. Mm-hmm. And Adama orders Ty not to titter and let her know that he's on the other side of the line listening in on their flirtation. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and he goes, you and I talked about this. Right? <laughs> he reminds Can't her. laugh when we're on the party line. <laughs> Uh, she tells him that protecting the fleet is her highest priority. Adama tells her that this order endangers the people on the surface of Cobol. And um, Rosalind says that she is deeply aware of the stakes. And that's when he says, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to ask you to resign. Boom. And she's like, no. And he's like, I'm terminating your presidency. <laughs> oh, boy. What were you thinking at this point? Were you like, is this real? I yeah, I had a moment of like, is this a big bluff from Adama of be of being like, maybe he thinks she just has the ability to call 
uh, you know, Starbuck back. But, you know, by the end of the scene, I was like, no, fuck, I think he means it. Like, he's that's it. Like, this is an act of treason to him. And this is enough to to basically, like she said, she's like, well, if you want to stage a coup, you're going to have to come down here and arrest me. Like, and, and I was like, I think he's going to do that or at least attempt to. Um, but I, again, like all of their exchanges, I love – I love each of their, you know, <laughs> stabs and reposts. Like, oh, absolutely. It's, it's so solid. Like her, her response is to hit, you know, he just keeps pushing forward with like, you did what you just did is it is the final straw. That was that I, I'm terminating your presidency and she's never, you know, intimidated. She's like, okay, all right, well, you're going to come, come down here in front of the press recording everything and arrest them physically. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, they're he's all like, here. Do you want to say hi? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Want to say hey to the Times reporter over here? And he's just like, fuck, hangs right, up the phone. Right. So, yeah, it's funny. There's, I mean, for me, I sit here and I think I get his thinking. I understand Adama's reasoning here of wanting to, this is kind of like a Jean-Luc Picard, like this and no father. Like this is, I'm holding the line. Like this, you cannot make that decision and have no repercussion. Um, but I still go, is that really worth completely destabilizing? You're going to overthrow the political, uh, part of your government. It's a really for, good, for, it's a really good question. Yeah. Um, and and, I've, and to I've me, thought I thought about this it's a, a lot bit, myself. Yeah. Continue. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, I mean, I, on the whole, I lean towards, I think this is a little rash on Adama's part. Like, I, I lean a little closer to Rosalind of like, yeah, you can question her call. All, I, do you, I, to be honest, I actually kind of think her call, if I'm on the ground, I think her call is wrong and she's stupid for making it. But I don't think it means she needs to be fucking overthrown. I, right. I think that's it. Also, an, her call is wrong and then his call is also wrong. It's an improper reaction to a shitty call. Yeah, it's a weird situation because we have to ask ourselves, why is it so important to Adama this particular breach in their agreement? So if I want to unpack this, and I'm really going to unpack this in a way that puts Adama in a better light, um, just for fun, and then we'll come at it from the other angle, okay? Yeah. So if we think about this from Adama's perspective, he has a, a ground team below. And they are in, they are in deep fucking trouble. They crash landed on the surface. There's a Cylon base star that they did not anticipate that they cannot fight. So Adam is thinking, I have an idea. We're going to use the Raider. We're going to put Starbuck in the Raider. We're going to put the transponder on. And we're going to nuke that fucker. Win, win, win. That's <laughs> going to be his plan, right? Then he yeah. gets up one day and he goes, all right, here's what's going to happen. And then... She jumps away. What the fuck? Now, if you're a dumb, you're thinking, holy shit, she just jumped away. The base star is still there. I have people on the surface. They have, God knows how many silence they're going to send down after a whole fucking ground team and wipe them out or capture them or worse. And now, how are we going to rescue those people? We're in big fucking trouble here. We, we are in a bad tactical situation. Do we retreat and hope they make it? What's the plan? So that's what his that's that's his immediate thought process. On top of that, he's probably also thinking, "This bitch cannot override me. That just can't happen." Now, you know, I, I I agree, and I think you're missing one thing though. I think if this were any other pilot, if this were some other fucking pilot of the crew who they you know entrusted with you know piloting the Viper, uh, I mean not the Viper, well yeah the, the Raider, um, Raider, and ended up taking it away, I think he'd be mad. 
I don't think he'd be this mad. I think the fact that it's Starbuck and it, it basically became, you know, Rosalind became a wedge between him and Starbuck's relationship and trust, that makes it much more personal. To I, him. And I think that's why that I think that pushes him from you're going to have to face, you know, uh, charges for this or, or you know, you're going to have to be questioned to I'm fucking overthrowing you. <laughs> like, sure. I think that's what pushes him from that point to the next. And then there's also, okay, I like it. Now, now take this part of it too. So he, <laughs> he has this plan. It's not going to work. And now on top of this, on top of what he has going on, on top of what he feels personally, like you brought up, I like that. Now you have a woman who is very ill who's taking medication, who is talking about prophetic stuff out of a book that you barely believe. <laughs> about finding yeah. a fucking arrow on a planet. He's, she's going to take military assets in a crisis situation and divert them to get a fucking arrow out of a museum. <laughs> yeah. Right? I love that you frame it that way. That's exactly what I know, it is. I know, I mean, I'm framing it in his favor. I'm framing but no, it you're totally favor. right. It's, that's what it is. No, no, he, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying he, that's why he feels the way he does. Yeah. But to her, she's like, I know what I just fucking saw. I know how the scripture goes. This okay. is insane that this is happening, but I'm come, becoming a believer, and I really think we need to get this thing, so I'm going to send her off to do this thing because we might lose that ground team, but we ain't losing this whole fucking fleet. Yeah, but yeah. here's the rub. What could what what makes Adama the problem that Adama and Rosalind both have is they are both outside of force. They're both relatively untouchable. They can't really reprimand each other, right? He can't yeah. say you're going to be brought up on charges and then what? Take a timeout for three weeks? Like, what's he going to do? Put you in the brig for two hours? Make you not eat your fucking supper? There's nothing he can really do he, he, because she's either the president or she's not, right? He yeah, can't reprimand can her, which means he goes right to, you are not the president anymore. I can understand why he would do that if he was going to decide to do that because the only other thing he could do is say, we need to have a talk. I'm coming over. I could yeah. see him doing something that, like rational like that, but no, instead, he goes right to this. Part of me wonders, is he thinking she's just medically compromised at this point can she even be fucking trusted with these yeah. harebrained ideas to us well, that's, they, they make sense because they're they're letting us start to believe exactly. in this mythology a little bit as the viewer well, we can take both sides of this which is why the show's so good oh for sure but that's why you know i said earlier of like i i think every other pair of boots on the ground here in the situation every other player involved is totally justified in seeing this uh, Rosalind's decision as a stupid, crazy decision. Like, like sure. the way you've you know said it earlier. Of like, wait, you're <laughs> you have six months to live. You now suddenly are religious and believe in this prophecy, and you're going to send away our best pilot in a fucking once in a million opportunity of a captured Cylon vehicle to go get a fucking indiana jones item from a museum that's gonna magically save us all what the fuck are you talking about like that's crazy like you sure. know that you, everybody's rea every sane reaction would be like no that's fucking nuts what are you doing um but still like, like i said i still think the reprimand for that is is too high i concur it's sort of like when lee adama says we can't impeach her over a bad decision yeah yeah right yeah. she's made a decision that was and he admits as much. It was a bad call. And that's what I like about the shit. It was a bad call. Right? 
in the face of it all. That's what they all, I mean, that's what the, that's what they all say. Um, but that's when he hangs up swiftly, Adama, and uh, they go right to military protocol. Isolate Colonial One, jam their transmissions, prepare a strike team. Holy yeah, shit. That's now, if I'm, I'm in that CIC, on. I'm thinking, okay, their Cylons have infiltrated them. Why would he act this way? Oh, good point. That, I mean, I, if, if I'm Gata and I don't know the conversation that took, just, just took place because it was private, right? And I like how they're like, she's bluffing, he's bluffing. She says, you know, if we survived, if this government survived a Cylon attack, we can survive Bill Adama. Well, he's the reason you survived that, but who's coming? <laughs> so Ty and Apollo begin discussing taking the ship compartment by compartment. Meanwhile, we have Adama formulating his Cylon transponder idea, which, of course, is his alternative to the Starbuck plan. That is it. He's got his backup. So we quickly move over to Adama going to see Boomer in the infirmary. I have a very special mission for you that is high risk. And uh, <laughs> he lays out the nuke plan. Pretend to be a captured raptor, nuke him via the loading bay, jump home and jump home fast. Um, Boy. Boom. He drops and down I don't her. F- Why do you suppose I, he went for, for, for Boomer here? Why do you suppose he went for the girl in the infirmary? I kept thinking that, yeah, that, that question myself of being like, her, her, the girl who shot herself in the face all of th- two weeks ago? You're going to run with this? Uh, but I, I guess the show wants us to believe that the wide majority of the, you know, Starbucks fucking gone. The rest of the, their better pilots are are now shipwrecked on COBOL. And I guess they may, they probably have a few more, uh, you know, Viper pilots around. But I do think that he, since it's, need, it's needed to be a Raptor pilot, and I think he has a little bit of a closer relationship with her. That's why, you know, I, that's why I was saying, even the the fact that it was Starbuck who left earlier matters so much to Adama. Like as much as Adama wouldn't admit it, I think he is a very one on one relationship kind of guy. Like sure. he's not going to go to the pilot who's just really great on paper and look at his numbers, oh, how many missions he's run, how many you know successes he's had. He's going to go. No, nah, I'm going to go to the pilot who I've had lots of conversations with. I, like I know this person, I trust them on an individual level. And they just um, don't and, have them, right? They just don't have the don't roster. Have they don't have the roster for that. I think she's that the next close closest one as it gets to i know you and have spoken with you and have been around you uh and that's why i'm going to trust this with you it's not really a matter of skill i think it's a matter of trust i also think adama's no dumb dumb right and i think he knows okay this girl just shot herself in the mouth with her pistol by accident we don't really (laughs) know what happened there even the chief is like oh i find it hard you didn't check the chamber i found that hard to believe right there's no way adama and it's funny because we don't really get his perspective on this yet. No. He just goes in there and he tasks her with a mission. And oddly enough, I think there's something empowering about that if you think she was having these dark thoughts. It also seems like it could be the ruin of your fleet if you're not careful. I know. Yeah, right? that, It's a you know, big it's, gamble, I've, but he could be empowering her to be like, you have worth, you're cool, you're awesome, let's do this exactly. shit. Exactly. Right? I, I wonder, I am kind of on the fence of like, what would, have Adam, what would Adama actually do? Would he... Because I could very much imagine a, a, an alternative scene where Ty is like, you want to, you know, who are you going to get for this fucking mission? And he's like, you know, and he maybe suggests Boomer and Adama's like, no, no, we can't. We can't. She is in such a fragile state. I don't want to put this sure. responsibility on her. That's too much. Like I could see him coming to that conclusion. But could have been late. But yeah, he needed I, leave, I, he needed leave for the too. strike team. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, he basically comes to the decision. And I think you're right of him being like, 
I'm going to go ahead and give her this important mission because I know, you know, he's he has served with her a long enough time that he has this relationship with her and knows that she is a capable pilot. And maybe if I give her this important mission, it will, you know, give her some backbone again, make her feel like she's got a purpose, you know, got something to live for. Because I, yeah, I think you're totally right that he is no dummy and understands that, okay, you were trying to kill yourself and got wet feet at the very last second um, and it didn't work out and you're in a rough phase. So I'm going to give you something to do. I think that's how he sees it. And if she dies, well, she wanted to die anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck her. So the assault on Colonial One begins. This is cut with Boomer and Racetrack jumping away for their mission. Galactica, this is Apollo. We have soft seal, he reports. We get a great shot of the Raptors attaching to Colonial One. And um, we cut inside to Rosalind saying, I know Commander Adama. He won't want bloodshed, or or so to speak, something like that. But she does warn her people to go hide. Uh, this is my choice. And then Billy retorts for saying, we stand with our president. And all these fucking gutless civvies stand up for one another. <laughs> and um, You know, as much as I do like Billy, and I'm like, oh, good on you. You know, you want to you know, stand by her and everything. It's still, it, it just reeks of naivety. I'm like, dude, these, <laughs> you're going to get shot in a coup. What's going to happen? Like, <laughs> you being there isn't going to change anything. It certainly does. It's a very symbolic act only, but okay, good on you, bud. We go right to get the president on the line. And then, of course, Starbuck gets to the Delphi Museum. She takes her anti-rad meds, pulls out her pistol, and starts her mission. And we're going to be kind of moving through this like this because we have a lot of editing. Really good stuff here, the way they the way they edit yeah, this together. Man. It's excellent. It's uh, seen, and it, it moves very quickly, yep. except for a few parts. And, you know, yep, and I'll, I'll talk about it when we're we getting get there. there. Oh, yeah. I don't know the ones you're thinking, but I might. You might enlighten me. So, Bomber and Racetrack get to the Cylon Baystar. Um, and uh, you think this thing is working, Racetrack says. And Bomber retorts, we're about to find out. And they have this real <laughs> tense moment where the Cylon Ooh. rears sort of buzz past them. And they Dude, all exhale. The, I, the sound design of, for one, I've always liked the, the choice of sound of, yeah. of the fucking Raiders. It's a great creepy just it, it's a it's such a neutral sound that it's like cold sure uh, it's just creepy um and they they never fail to resurrect that every time like every time raiders come out of nowhere i'm like oh my god terrifying here yep. they are and the fact that they're right upon you know just the heartland of the monster and when they go just zipping by over the top of them it is chilling like it is so creepy this whole sequence of galactica boomer rolling in with racetrack into into the the uh cylon base ship goddamn it's it's the creepiest most unnerving scene of the series so far yeah it really is we move back to the caprica ground team i like this scene a lot Oh, this! Oh, where, <laughs> where our boy, where a fucking star killer from the Force, un, Force uh, Unleashed has to pull rank on Dude. our boy Chief. We just, just I, I like this kind of stuff. I like the command dynamics here. Um, I yeah. like that we see the enlisted man who has a ton of years of experience. First of all, to be a chief, he's had to been in what's he thirty eight here. He's probably been in since he was eighteen. And Fuck. then you have this guy. I mean, he's probably been in twenty years, right? And then yeah. you have crashed down this young lieutenant who he's a pilot. I mean, this isn't really his thing. And, yeah. um, yeah, you know, crash down takes an assessment of the damage. He's obviously stressed as anybody would be. And then Tyrrell's like, Hey, let's, let's have a quick chat. Shouldn't we be moving out? Uh, what's the tactical deployment going to be? And he's like, tactical deployment. What are you talking about? 
And the chief's <laughs> like, well, we could take cover, um, position where we won't be spotted from the air. You know, we don't want to just go to high ground, right? This I, whole time, I, like I was watching like, it. <laughs> yeah. Like, where he's like, I'm trying to throw you a bone, man. I'm trying to fucking, I know what to do, and I don't want to make you look like a shitty officer. <laughs> like, right. Uh, but I, yeah, the whole, this whole time during this scene, I'm screaming, I'm like, get the fuck away from that crash ship. Like, yeah. that is just a big signal flare for here we are, kill us. Yep. Like, absolutely. we're just hanging out around the thing you can track. Yeah, I like how, I like how he makes a suggestion. I like how he does it behind a little bit of privacy. Um, yeah. This shows some good sensitivity, good awareness by the chief to not make this guy feel incompetent. Exactly. Uh, even though yeah. this guy's very insecure about this anyway. Super insecure. <laughs> um, and I love this. You know what I like about the scene here? We see how these people react under stress because for all we know, Crashdown's been pretty cool. He's sort of been this yeah. minor character who we see make funny jokes with with Boomer, and he's awesome. And now we see the stress sort of getting to him, and you're like, ugh. So it's kind of yeah. neat. You get to see him I, in a different, yeah. out of his element, right? For sure. I, I do agree with that because I was a little surprised by, by his kind of like brashness and, and just like his ego flaring sure. in a moment where it's not because he's a shitty guy. It's that he doesn't know what to do. He's a human and, guy and, in a stressful situation yeah. and he doesn't and he necessarily knows, know. Right. Yeah. He knows he's the one who's supposed to know what to do. Like you're the officer. He's the, and, he's and, the ranking officer for sure. Exactly. And, and it's like, and I think chief has those better people instincts to know. Like, I think you can, you can see the chief feels bad for him in this. Absolutely. Like, oh, he's, so like, I, he's so like, good. Like kid, I know this is a fucking awful position for you to be in as the CEO. And I'm trying to throw you a bone. Yeah. Like, so he's not, he's not trying to be like, come on, you stupid officer. Like you right. do the right. Yeah. He's, he's trying to be sympathetic. He runs a fucking deck crew. I mean, he's a yeah. leader of men and women. That's what the chief does every fucking day. He runs a whole deck crew. He's the chief of the boat, man. He runs the whole goddamn, that whole engineering team is, is reporting to him and it's young people and he has to manage a lot of different egos. He just has a lot of actual command experience where yeah. as even though, even though Crashdown doesn't, he happens to be the raking officer, but I like this idea of him listening to the non-com and going, all right, you have experience, you have wisdom. He's pissy about it, but he listens. He does, yeah. <laughs> That's what, I, yeah. At the end of that scene, I was like, dude, this is one of those times where you don't worry about the rank so much. Like, sure. you, you need to to lean on experience. Period. So we go back to Bummer giving racetrack the launch order, but the bomb release is jammed. Oh, so fucked. Brutal. So fucked. Now you got to go into the heart of darkness. The heart of darkness, kid. So oh, uh, it can't be free. They're forced to approach the Salon Base Stars uh, hangar. Uh, they're going to dock, they're going to manually release the warhead and jump away. Uh, we have Jesus a very Christ. tense approach to them approaching, uh, to them going to the hangar bay, which I love. Love it. Oh, man. Should we, do you want to run through um, Boomer, uh, the Galactic Boomer scenes here? Do you want to just go ahead? We could, we could do that, I guess, right? Well, no, because I, I think we should talk, I, I normally would say yes to that because you know how I like to do that. But I kind of feel like when we get to Starbuck with the Arrow, we have a lot of really cool stuff that I want to talk about, like as a group of editing back and forth. That's true. Like Starbuck with the Arrow, the fist fighting, the stuff with the president. Like there's a lot of cool, like awesome shit that they're about to do after these next two scenes, which is Tyrrell starts taking over. Guy slays in the grass with this angelic six standing over him. He realizes she saved him. 
Care to return the favor, she asks. You wonder why God chose you to serve his purpose. Now is the time to find out why. He stands up and they walk hand in hand through the grass towards some ruins. Right? We cut over to the Colonial One, the Secret Service types, draw their pea shooters, Elosha prays, Billy and Dee converse. I love this scene. I love where Billy says, tell me he's not going to actually do this. And she says, tell me she's not going to make him do it. So we see the yeah. two different perspectives here, which I appreciate. Yeah, they're trying, trying to find the middle, and they're just not quite there. But they still have, kind of like what we talked about last episode, I loved how Billy was, you know, kind of, you know, dissenting from uh, Rosalind at one scene, but he was still like, okay, can I get you some water? Like, you, you all right? Like, still had this care and this affection for one another, and you can still see this between him and Dee of like, okay, well, I got to go. They're, they're, they're here. Like, there's still, an, it's like they can sense each other's humanity, even though they're totally on opposite sides now. Like, sure. They've already, they've picked their side. Sure, yeah, I like that. And you know, it's the, is it, I, I like that he can be honest with Rosalind Billy. We talked about this. But there's still that deep respect relationship there. That he's, I'm going to be honest with you for three minutes, and then I'm going to go back to doing what you tell me to do. But it's my job to tell you I think this is the wrong move. Yeah. But it doesn't mean I'm going yeah. to fucking quit and go somewhere else. I'm just telling you this is not a great move. And, they, yeah. and that's cool. Exactly. And, and I get the same sense from Ty when it comes to Adama. Of like, sure. There are times where Ty might be like, I don't think this is the right call, but I'm going to do what you – say like i'm taking your side like i'm not going to go against you even if i don't really agree with the decision yeah he's very loyal Ty. so starbuck finds the arrow of athena she breaks the glass grabs it and we get this amazing shot of six sliding into the frame behind her (laughs) pretty Uh. isn't it pop punches her (laughs) in the face dude and this shit between these two is amazing I I'll say this. I loved these scenes of her when she when Starbuck is trying to shoot her and she's just zipping by yeah. and she's just clipping pieces of the like walls. Fucking like fucking Roy Batty. <laughs> yeah, like when you can just see her picking up that speed. And by the way, good, good thing you brought up Roy Batty. I have never noticed so much until this scene. I'm like, dude, those side pieces straight up look like Deckard's blaster from Blade. Oh, Runner. absolutely. Like that looks the goddamn same. I was like, shit, I've never noticed that before. Um, but yeah, so my my one of my issues with this episode was actually with their fight scene. Really, um, for one, I felt like it went on for a little, little chunk of time. I was kind of like, okay, I get it, they're fighting. Like, I don't know, oh, like, I, I don't I, know I, how many more roundhouses do I got to see six catch and then fucking beat the shit out of Starbuck? To where I'm like, okay, I get it. Like, you know, Starbuck's kind of fucking outnumbered here. I mean, this is a Cylon; she's fighting hand to hand. I liked- think that's what they needed you to understand here. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, that's the thing. I, I understood that. Like, I remembered the fight between Adama and, and the Cylon and the fact that, like, when one of these things turns on you and starts getting physical, like, they are a superhuman. I mean, you're not going to just punch them out of commission. Here's what I like about their fist fight. Two things. Number one, first of all, Trisha Helfer is one hell of a physical specimen. And I'm not even being a pig. I'm serious. <laughs> no, yeah. Like, she's she looks tall. Strong. She's lean. She's muscle, muscular. Her back muscles, when she's popping Starbuck in the face, she looks like an imposing figure. And yeah. We know Starbuck to be this scrappy, happy hero pup, this scrappy fighter, this human, this ragtag kind of gal. And she is just so outclassed. And that's totally. what I really liked about this contrast here. 
And I feel like it's a metaphor for the Cylon human struggle. And that's why I liked it so much. Now, I'm, I'm, I might be reading into it and giving it more than it deserves. But I feel like it's just, it shows you how the Cylons can do with you what they will. That despite Starbuck being tough as shit, she can't do dick. She can't do yeah. dick to her. She plays, she toys with her. She toys with her. It's not just, I outmatch you and I'm defeating you. It's, I'm going to toy with you. Is that all you got, Starbuck? Part of me feels like maybe there's some residual stuff here from guys fucking her. <laughs> yeah, it's probably a little bit. Maybe a little bit of a that. Run on a little residue, a little gonna, stank on here from that. That's right. I'm going to torture this girl. I'm going to beat her senseless and remind her why I am so much superior to her. And it was cool to see Six's vicious side. Um, this really sort of, I mean, it's just, she's no match for her. She's so yeah. much bigger, so much taller, and so much stronger. And really, she's just toying with her. And it, and it just, it's, it was cool to watch for me because I like just knowing that she doesn't stand a chance even though she tries her fucking heart out. There's just no winning. There's just no defeating six here. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part I, mean, I, I think, like it. Yeah. And I mean, them going, to, I love the idea of them going toe-to-toe and I liked getting to see it. It was just one of those times where after I think the second or third time we've cut back to it, I'm like, man, we're still fighting? <laughs> like, we're yeah, still, I got you. Like, I was, in a way, I was, I think what I was more disappointed by was not that the fight was sucky or anything. It was just that, like, I was Seemed kind long. of hoping some, for some more dialogue. It was a little long and I was like, man, I kind of was hoping for at a point where, you know, Starbuck is down and she's obviously like, ugh, like getting defeated and, and is not really a threat to Six, that Six was going to, you know, maybe a little Bond villain monologue. Like, I wanted a little more, I wanted Six to talk. I wanted to hear things a little bit. She said a couple of cool things like, welcome back to Caprica, like what we've done with the place. <laughs> That's so nasty. <laughs> Such a mean bitch. Six steps, uh, yeah, she beats the brakes off her. She's just Dude, so yeah. formidable. And um, I love how this is cut against the Marines storming into the Colonial One uh, Bay, and you have the stand, the standoff. This is cut against Boomer knocking the fucking bomb off the thing and being like, holy oh, shit, that moment where she freezes when it falls, she's like, oh, crap, don't blow up. <laughs> oh, dude, yeah. No, like, like you can see her hands like, ah, like <laughs> right. oh, fuck. It's a nuke that just dropped to the ground in front of me. Um, she hears oh, her name. God. I love how creepy that is. Dude, yeah, like I, I want to stop here at this scene because creepy, I mean, man. this is fucking creepy. Like this, you know what this, the scene where she goes out there, you know, and we're first getting a glimpse at the interior of this ship where she's walking around, <laughs> looking at the walls, and I'm like, this is like Geiger alien. Absolutely, like, that's right in my notes. Oh yeah, this. I mean, this is full blown creepy. Um, and you know, I, I really did wonder. I had this thing of like, what is the interior? of the Cylon ship's going to look like. You know, we got a glimpse of what the interior of a Raider looks like, um, but I, I really wondered. I was like, is it going to be a very clean machine-like world? Is it going to be very technological like the Borg? But it has this more, even their ships have this weird, like, organic interior, kind of like, uh, you know, I mean, like the, this, like she talked about when they first got the Raider, that it was like an organism. Like it was like, it's like an entire living thing. Indeed. And the interior of the ship looks this fucking same way, but the creepiness, I love when you can take something, especially, well, I can never remember the name of, the, of this actress who plays Boomer. Do you remember her name offhand? Um, I don't, but I'll look it up right now to give proper yeah. respect. Well, I mean, she, for what, like to take that woman naked 
and make it terrifying is a fucking achievement. That's <laughs> like, for sure. That I'm like, this is a gorgeous ass woman, and seeing her coming Grace out of Park. the dark. Grace Park. Seeing a naked Grace Park come strutting your way should be a delightful thing. Instead, it's a fucking nightmare in the sea. You see her just strolling up into the shadows and then more just come. And they're not, you know, they say Sharon that one time Mm -hmm. and then they just start appearing. Oh, my God. This was so – I was watching this by myself in my bed in the dark and I was like, oh, this is getting creepy. Creepy for sure. so good. I like it a lot. I like it a lot. Yeah, and this is cut against six, just putting the hurt on Starbuck. It's funny. I have it playing in the background. And then, man, her facial expression is just one of, I'm going to punish this bitch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> like, I am going to enjoy the feel of your face on my knuckles. Like, that's oh, yeah. what I'm, I'm savoring it. And then um, this is, uh, we, we get the bomb, we, well, that the stuff with the, the naked Sharons. And then we have this moment where Six picks up the arrow and she gets a little distracted by it. I like this. She's like, hmm, and she's looking at it. And Starbuck yeah. takes that moment to just tackle her off the off now, the floor. This I fucking love. I sweet. loved that she just dove her down there. And I mean, again, <laughs> there's two I now realize. Two falls that just so impressed me in this episode. Like, fucking uh, Gaius is collapsed at the beginning of this episode. And then this one, each of them felt real. Like, there's yeah, a lot boom. of times in shows or movies where the way they cut to their fall, you can tell that they, like, oh, you see somebody falling from a distance. And then when they cut to the closer shot, there was like, they jumped off the ground from like two feet and pretended sure. to fall. Like, this looks like they fell from 20 feet and hit the yeah. ground. Like, it's heavy. They hit the floor so hard. They do. There's like, a lot I, of weight I, to it. Oh. So intense. I yeah. love Hilo's reaction when they go over. We get a quick look <laughs> of him like, holy shit, what's happening right now? Um, <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, so good. And then, of course, this is this is just so well orchestrated, this whole thing. And I love how Hilo goes, Starbuck? Question mark. Yeah. It's yeah. great. Like the last person he expected to see. Of course, he runs down there. And um, we cut away and we get to... Madam President, no one needs to get hurt here. Ty doing his thing. And um, she's like, okay, well, just get off the ship. That's fine. And we'll, we'll all be fine here. And he's like, I'm, I'm arresting you. And uh, she just stands there. And we get this, this little stand down. Now, this moment is something I remember for so long that I love so much. There's this long silence that hangs. Lee says, oh, yeah. we're not doing this. I'm, he's like, I'm in, I'm in command here. Colonel, this is wrong. I love Ty here for two reasons. Number one, he sees Lee get squirrely. He's a combat veteran. He's seen oh, it yeah. before, and he immediately says, you're relieved, fall back. Yes. It's I, yeah, so I badass. That. He's not like, Cut, zip it up, kid. Come on. No. He's like, no, you can go. Yep. You can leave. Go. Like, get the fuck out of here. You're relieved, <laughs> fall back. And the face that Paul Hogan makes when Lee puts the gun in his face, that frowny sort of, oh, my God, it is amazing. <laughs> I love it so much. I love it. I love it. Lee's like, tell your Marines to fall back and all this shit. And man, Ty is like, this is mutiny. You know that. Yes, I do. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so like that. Good. The face he gives him is one of like, oh, you're fucking yourself. You realize this, oh, right? Like you're fucking so yourself good. here, kid. I love, uh, I love him here. I love that. I can see on his face in this moment. You're fucking yourself. Your old man's going to be so mad. I love your old man. He's going to be so disappointed. Like, you can see it all. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, it's, yeah. It's great. And I, I got to give it to Lee, though. I've 
fucking admire his choice here, man. That is sure. some ballsy shit. You are you ro- you rode in with these guys. You know the plan, and you are surrounded by dudes with full automatic rifles, and you t- all of a sudden put a piece on the commanding officer's head. What do you think this Fuck. will do to Lee's reputation in the future among men like this? Ooh, it makes me. Mm, that's a big. Oof, that's a big what if. I mean, something to think it, about. Oh, yeah. It, it, for one, it makes me think that he's not going to be trusted as far as – well, for one, it, it, we've talked about this before. Of Like his relationship to Rosalind has always been kind of a sticking point in, in Adama and even Ty. And I think that is going to be completely – I mean almost like a no contact, like a restraining order put between them. Like you are not to deal with her. Like that is that is for us to deal with. Yeah. And um, you know, I, I, we have to say this. How badass does Ty look in his tack gear? I love it. Come I on, do love dude. it, dude. He looks so badass. He looks like an even just grayer, harder Sam Fisher Splinter Cell. Like he's just like, Argh! yeah, yeah. I, I just needs a cigar. Oh, he's like that. And um, well, Lee does his thing, and this de-escalates because Rosalind essentially surrenders. Yeah. Do you think yeah, she, she surrenders does. because of Lee, or that she was planning on surrendering anyway? I, you know, to be honest, I think Lee spurred her. I, I think mm-hmm. she was probably willing to stand there for longer and see if they made a move first. Um, I, think but sending, I think at the end, I, was just huh? say, I think sending Colonel Ty, if you're Commander, Commander Adama and you send Colonel Ty, you're really suggesting that this guy's going to menace you into coming with him because he does not fuck around. Like Adama <laughs> goes and maybe she doesn't surrender, right? Ty goes yeah. and she might be like, this fucker might shoot somebody. Oh, but I yeah. Think, I, I do think Lee had a lot to do with it, too. Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, Rosalind was like, as soon as one of her guys, even if like anybody fired a shot, she would be the one being like, oh, okay, okay, like stop, stop, stop. <laughs> like, right, like right, right. Well, I'll go. You know, like she's not going to let it just turn into a bloodbath. Sure. So she surrenders. They cuff Lee, of course. She's not cuffed. They have some respect for her, of course. Even Ty is not that gross. Yeah, of course. They pull off, uh, they being the other Sharons, they pull off Boomer's helmet. And um, I love the way she's like just so confused. And then it hits her. I'm not a Cylon. And you can hear the lack of confidence. I'm Sharon Valeri. I was born on Troy, right? My parents were Catherine and Abraham Valeri. And they just start touching her wound. They look there, sort of examining her. Um, and they're just like, you oh, can't fight God. destiny, Sharon. It catches up with you, no matter it what you do. With you. Oh, God. Don't worry about us. We'll see you again. And they smile. Like, they have this confidence. We love you. We, and we always we will. We love you, Sharon. Right? Oh, my God. It's weird. Yeah, it's weird. It's so fucking weird. Shaking her head, shaking her head. And the way she reacts when she goes back to the Raptor is great. Let me in. Let's go. Don't look back there. Quick. Look, right? <laughs> yeah. Don't look at that shit. Don't realize I'm a fucking part of a clone army. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, man. Poor Boomer. I feel so bad for all the Boomers in the show, even the naked ones. I feel bad for all of them. <laughs> <laughs> just all the just fucking feel bad for Boomers. And, boomers uh, around the world. Yep. I like how the other the other Sharon's kind of kneel, kneel down next to the bomb, and then it just Dude. goes up. Boom. This... I don't know if the show meant it to be this way. I mean, I suppose they must have. But this is also one of the biggest, most shocking reveals for me that they don't 
it's not even that the Cylons don't care about an individual agent getting killed because they certainly don't give a shit about that. Like they're totally willing. To, like, yeah, we'll throw our people into the fray and sure. get them killed for you know for the cause. We don't give a fuck. But the fact that they're, I mean, they're willing to give up a base ship and all of these, you know, these human Cylons, which we know are higher value Cylons. That's something the show, you know, it's. I think it's easy to forget that. It's like you can almost be tricked into thinking that all Cylons are human, but that's not the case. Like. We have to remember there are still the big toaster ones that they use for you know basic infantry grunt shit. Yeah, and these human models, I, I'm sure they have they're plentiful, obviously, but not that plentiful. They're still a higher tier resource. We've been you know led to believe. Sure, and they don't give a fuck about oh, there's a nuke. Mm-hmm, yeah, we're all gonna die. Like yeah. doesn't matter. Like it's not going it's not going to rile the boomer consciousness because there's there must just be thousands upon thousands more. Do you feel like they couldn't that that it was one of those they just couldn't stop the nuke at that point? I think it, I think it was both. I think that they knew they couldn't stop it. You know, they're not going to really do anything about it. Um well, like, actually, you know what? Maybe not though. Like I would not be surprised if they had the intelligence to be able to defuse it. Okay. Um and I, I, for a moment when she kneeled down, I thought that's what that one boomer was going to do. But then she didn't, and the whole fucking shit blew up. And I was like, "Oh my god!" Again, pretty making cool. me tap Blowing into up a whole my base star is pretty badass. Oh, I loved it. It looked fucking awesome. But it still makes me think of my grand Cylon conspiracy theory that they're like, "Yep, we knew that. We like that is part of the plan. Like losing a base ship, having it completely nuked in order to gain the confidence. You know, let the humans think they have a victory. Yep, that's fine. Like this is all part of the plan. Like I still wonder that, or I'm like, sure, Fuck. sure, because they sure are nonchalant about it. Like they don't care. We go back to the Galactica." And we have Ty saying, he put a weapon right to my head, told me to tell you he was following his instincts, wherever the hell that means. I love Ty. He's the fucking best. So Dama tells Ty, bring him here and put Rosalind in the brig. Uh, Boomer reports in the base star's history. Um, Adama's like, well, there's some fucking good news. And then um, people cheer. They're happy. We move over to Starbucks, sort of getting up. We see that rebar through Six's torso. Dude. Yeah, she got Did you expect hard. that? I I did expect six to be dead. Yeah, um, yeah me too. You know, but when, when I, I saw first the rebar, I was like, "Gosh, you fell on something." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Yeah," I was like, "No matter what, she let she let six take all of the impact and the added force of her coming down on top." Of sure. Her. So I'm like, six, that might actually be enough to knock off a Cylon." <laughs> Maybe so. I love oh. Hilo here. I love when he says "you." I like how he says it because it's so natural. <laughs> you don't write you? dialogue like this. He says, "You were like." the last person I expected to see. He uses like, and I know that sounds like really weird, but dialogue would be written, you were the last person I expected to see. He's like, you yeah. were like the last, like he just says it so naturally. I love it. <laughs> and she's all beat up. Um, she sees Boomer and Dude, goes she's right wicked beat up. Didn't she? I, I don't know. If, maybe you can answer this for me. Like when you look at the rebar sticking up through six, I mean, that's like, eight, nine inches of rebar that yes. is protruding outside of her. I'm like, that definitely stuck Starbuck too a little. Yeah, if you want to be bit. nitpicky here, they should have made the rebar like only a couple inches out. Yeah. 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 Instead I was like, of God the damn, dramatic a fucking nine inch pole. Because I'm like, wasn't she laying on her? <laughs> yeah. I'm this- like, oh, Oh, cool. Six is dead. And also, you have a hole punched through your sternum yeah. now. Starbuck walks 10 feet and just drops. Oh, <laughs> just art, just fucking aortal blood spurting yeah. out of her chest. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, well, I think I'm going to be dead. Fuck. I know. I know, right? 
but I love this stuff out of Boomer, uh, excuse me, out of Starbuck right here. I love how devastated she is at the revelation that Sharon's a Cylon. She cries and wails. Uh, yeah. You know, he's like, you can't shoot her. She's pregnant. And she just collapses uh, under the weight of the emotion. I love this shit right here. I love, because we don't, she just got her ass kicked, first of all, which is an emotional thing. Second of all, now she just learned that Sharon is a Cylon. Ugh. Yeah. Ugh. I love her immediate reaction, which is protection. So she tries to open fire on her. But then after that passes, right? After that yeah. immediate reactionary brain thing happens, then the analytical mind starts to tell you, do you know what this means, right? And she just collapses uh, under the weight yeah. of that emotion. It's great. This is the stuff I waited so long to see. And that was, how are your friends going to respond to this shit? Oof, yeah. And just the sheer confusion of it, of thinking maybe you had a handle on what the Cylons were, what their mission were, you know, how many had infiltrated or anything, and having the full realization of, oh, you have no idea. Like, you yeah. have no idea the scope of this, you know, what's at, you know, how much they have already on you. Nothing. Nothing. All of all of the security you thought you had is gone. Yep, it's awesome. And also, you know, we can't go by it too because there was basically an earlier little cliffhanger moment when you know the Caprica Boomer was like, "By the way, I'm pregnant. <laughs> you should know." And we kind of see Hilo's face. We don't hear any reaction. We don't get to hear anything he says. That's right. And we don't get to see them together right. until this scene. That's and right. his only reaction is that when Starbuck tries to shoot her, he's like, "No, no, no! Don't do it! No, 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 no! You can't do it!" And he's like, "She's also also she's pregnant." Like. Great point. So we that know that his perspective must have changed a little. Totally. It is 180 as far as I can tell. I mean he's saying, no, don't do it as if he wants to protect her just for her own sake. And then also he is fully bought into the importance of she's pregnant and we have to protect that. Yeah, what does this and, mean? I mean? Like shit. W- w- it, it started with the Cylons look like robots. Then it became now they look like us. Now it's they can get pregnant, question mark? I mean, mm-hmm. this starts to alter what you think of these things, does it not? Oh, definitely, definitely, and, and especially I, with our I, human sperm, right? We're gonna right, get weird. Yeah, I'm like, fucking inter- human baby batter. Man, this is like this is getting into some deep internet fan fiction, cyberpunk porn fantasies. Like, they, yeah, holy yeah. what? Yeah, yeah. There and you then go. my toaster came, had my baby. <laughs> like, what the fuck? But yeah, no, I mean, and what I like about that is that that's such a base, primal, human emotion to appeal to, that I, I am now carrying your child. <laughs> like, how do you feel about that? Are you ready to execute me? Sure. Or, and he's like, he is fully on to the, I, I am Neanderthal, I protect my offspring now. Like, he is like, he seems bought into that. And, I, right. and I feel like one of the earlier scenes of the next episode of the, you know, the opener of season two is got to be some, uh, a fucking exposition dump <laughs> from, uh, Caprica Boomer and Hilo talking sure. about, okay, this is what I am. And this is the situation now. Like, I, I feel like we're going to have to see some serious justification on both of their parts because Starbuck is going to be like, what the fuck? Like, what are you talking about? You know, she is not ready to just buy into this, I'm sure. Yeah, and let's not forget that Adama just got shot by Boomer. I mean, yeah. how is this <laughs> going to play out when they return with other Boomer, if they ever Other do? Boomer, yeah. Oh, my God, dude. 
Yeah. I can't, I, like I said, as soon as we're off of this, I'm going to be watching the next episode. Awesome. Awesome. I'm fucking going to, I have to, I have to. Awesome. So six, we, we need to fucking, we need to experience some of these together. Like just sync up and watch them. <laughs> like, you know, how we would do commentaries. Yeah. We should do that one of these days. Blast through them. Ugh. So six and guys walk into these ruins. I know this place guy says, of course you do. Six says with an odd conviction. Ugh. She says, go I, inside. So he steps through this archway in, into these ruins, which then appear to be this great concert hall, this music hall. He looks around in wonder. Of course, we get this waltz-like music, this wondrous music. They walk into this main auditorium. I don't understand, Gaius says. Life has melodies, part of God's plan. You're this guardian and protector of God's children, she says. I mean, this, I don't want to be flippant here. You are the guardian and protector of God's children, Gaius. The first member of our new family will be with us soon, Gaius. It's time to make your choice. Gaius doesn't know what she means. You're going to see the face of the shape of things to come. We see this cradle. There's this glow to it. It's white. Isn't she beautiful, Gaius? They both look on in awe, and they start to make out. And this is at the behest of Gaius. So Gaius grabs her and starts kissing her. In this, wrapped up in this moment. What on earth were you thinking here? (laughs) What the fuck am I watching? That's, I, and I was like, as the scene ended, as the, you know, the camera is revolving around their kissing, I'm like, you're not going to cut away without showing us what's in that fucking crib, are you? Oh, yeah. And then, boom, gone. Of course they are. Shit, of course. Um, but, I mean, I'm left to sit here and wonder, are we looking at the first, as far as they know, you know, to their, you know, to, to Six and to Gaius, is this the first Cylon human interbred, you know, baby? Sure. Is that what they're, they're looking at for their prophecy, their, their future? And which, for one, makes me think of all the possibilities that, again – Caprica Boomer is sincere and her carrying also a human Cylon, you know, interbred baby. She thinks that like she, you know, has an understanding of that is the Cylon plan to maybe that is the, you know, what they're aiming to do is to have this mixed, you know, species baby. And she knows that if that's the case, maybe she can use that against them by having her own. And she really, again, truly rebelling against the Cylons. That's that was mm. a thing that ran through my mind. I, I but I don't know, man. But well, it's th- no coincidence th- that the the boomer reveal on pregnancy is happening in terms of storytelling. Why they're showing us this stuff with Gaius and Six now, right? Exactly. And yeah, I'm not saying they're totally related, but they're clearly related at least in terms of their decision to talk about Cylon human oh, babies. Yeah. No, you you cannot put two things that closely parallel and and there not be a connection. Like there's there, there has to be. They're they're putting that there. To, to highlight babies, you know, reproduction. Now, what struck me about this when I first saw this is I was thinking, is this some sort of like future glimpsing, like a gleaming? It's called Colossus yeah. Gleaming, right? Because we see that there's this crib. We don't see into it or this cradle. And she says, she being sick says, our new family member will be with us soon. Well, Sharon's pregnant. Is this, I mean... Is Sharon going to have a baby in a weird theater? <laughs> like, what, are we seeing some sort of future gleaming? Like, what, what does this mean here? I remember being confused and just wholly intrigued, though, 
by this whole thing. The, see the face of shape. Yeah. See the face of the shape of things to come. Isn't she beautiful? Uh, you're going to be the guardian protector of God's children? Who are God's children? These half-breeds? Is half-breed a, a bit of a pejorative? I don't know. I didn't mean to say it that way. <laughs> I don't know. It's but, all, uh, who knows when it comes to robot-human, baby? I don't know what the proper terminology is. But what I love about this is that, you know, you said Guy has this religious experience. Maybe, maybe, and then he's so overwhelmed by what he sees. And we know Gaius. We oh, know yeah. how he is. He's a rational human being. He's, he's mocked six many times. And he's so overwhelmed with whatever it is he's experiencing in this theater that he just starts to kiss her. Yeah. Yeah. I like that that's his response to being overwhelmed at this point, too. I mean, like, it, he, it, he's not reacting violently or shocked anymore. Like, he's essentially on board. Like, he's, he's in, in love with her by, by, mm. by the sight of this, which also, I, I don't know if I had said this before, you know, makes a little more clear my ideas of why I think a rebellious Caprica boomer would care about her pregnancy, uh, that this is maybe a vision of six and Gaius's own, uh, baby that she's, that this Ah. is her way of announcing to Gaius, I'm pregnant as well. And we're going to have this, you know, this future Cylon Jesus baby. So he wasn't shooting loads into his hand when he was really fucking like spirit, (laughs) spirit six. He did fuck for real six on earth. That's true. Or not Earth, what am I saying? Uh, Caprica. Caprica. I know what you mean. Um, so maybe, maybe, maybe I don't know. <laughs> no, maybe. Mr. Nice Guy, yes. <laughs> He's not going to wrap up his wheelie this time. <laughs> nice. So yeah, man, I like it. I like it. I like this uh, I like this element of this show a lot. That's cool. So we move back over to op- uh, Adama opening the cell. Doesn't say a word. Roslyn walks into the cell. He closes the cell. Doesn't say a word. Goes back to the CIC. Great scene. Great little Ugh. snippet. Her walking in. Him not having to say anything. They share no words. None. And then Boomer and Race track it back. And we close in in our very fateful finale here. Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. Take me this through this shit. bad boy. Good God. Well, for one, we see Lee in his cuffs now. Adama. <laughs> looking jacked, not, by the way. Got some arms looking, on <laughs> Looking swole. He's been, he's been hitting the gym. Got some arms That's for on sure. But Adama says nothing to him. You know, just I, I like that. Just looks at him. Just fucking looks at him. I, I like that. Well, for one, something I admire about all of these characters, I admire about Rosalind, I admire about Lee. Nobody is sitting there blubbering trying to explain themselves. Right. They're like, I, they have my conviction. decision. Yes, like my decision explains itself. I'm not going to sit here and blubber and try to excuse, you know, or justify it. Like I made my decision. That's enough. You have the information you need from me. Um, And and Adama doesn't, you know, scold him or or look at him any differently. He just looks at him. Gives him a little, gives him a little, how's your father though? A little low. Oh yeah, a little little bit. Are you fucking kidding me? So good. I got to talk to your mother again. I like when he's just like, I really appreciate you guys taking on this mission. Despite your personal misgivings, he looks over a fucking lady. <laughs> That's true. I forgot about that. So good. Despite your bitchly personal fucking feelings. Yeah. So oh, Despite Jesus. your pussy mutinous face. <laughs> oh, you finally lost control. That's what you thought I meant. Huh? <laughs> Fuck. Uh, you're a shit boxer. He starts making fun of him. In Starbucks, a better pilot. 
<laughs> I have no son, only a fucking blonde daughter. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> oh, Something I can be proud of. <laughs> Jesus, Dad. Come on, Dad. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm over. Uh, standing here. Oh, he doesn't look over at him. Lee just looks down when he says the personal misgivings. It wasn't that obvious. He looks <laughs> at him before. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Jesus. This, I mean, the the flu, one fluid motion and how she does it. It's not like, thank you, sir, and then the gun is drawn, and then we cut to Adama's face there. It's just, thank you, sir, bam! Like, it, she almost punctuates sir with that fucking shot. It's insanely quick. It's insane. I love oh Ty's instincts God. to put pressure on the wound immediately. Immediately. Ty's how many man. shots does she get on? Is it two, two. three? Two. Just two. I remember it was bang, two. bang, and I like oh. when I like the slow mo of her getting hit because you know they tackle her. Yeah, and she has that like cold look on her face, and then as she totally sits up, cold. she still sort of has it, but then you start to see this thing come over her face, which I love. Oh, absolutely! Like this, this is what I'm talking about of Cylon control being flipped back off, and now this is the the normal Galactica human believing you know boomer waking up again sure. and being like, what, where am, what did I just do? What, what's happening? Great stuff like, out of Jamie Bamber here. Like his portrayal of uh, being very devastated at witnessing what he just did, despite his personal misgivings of what's going on between him and his father. He loves his father and he just saw him sustain two mortal gunshot wounds. Oh yeah. From I mean, somebody he damn. trusts and is friends with. I mean, that's the yeah. fuck of it, right? Ooh. Awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's brutal him, you know, cradling his head yeah. and his arm. Even Dwala oh, grabs his, his, his hand, right? Adama's hand. Yeah. It's a great pull-away scene with him just splayed out there. And, you know, you see uh, them waiting for the doctor to come in, and we just cut. I mean, whoa. Oof. Wow. I mean, I did not see that coming. Truly not. I, I thought the show was pulling another long con battle star thing of like the the all this other Sharon saying we'll see you again soon and that's like going to be the the forewarning for next season oh we got to look out for Sharon no right now like sure. you are going to be activated 5 minutes from now it's awesome Jesus. i like it a lot so i mean i'm not going to say anything but you have three <laughs> more seasons of BSG What's going to happen with Adama? Is he going to be dead? Is he really going to be only for season oh, one? Oh, he's fucking dead, dude. I'll put $100 on he's fucking dead. Okay, so... Right now, dude. He's either dead or he isn't. But yeah, no, he's if he's not. not dead, he could be out of commission for a while. Or they could open season two with a jump in time. I'm not going to tell you. I actually know. But what were your thoughts on this? Like, holy shit, now what are you going to do? Ooh. Oh, are you asking in the meta sense of like, well, how do I think sense. the show yeah. is going yeah, to handle yeah. it? Mm. I... I think it's not going to do a jump forward. Uh, I think we're going to be, we might be dealing with an out of commission Adama for a little bit. Uh, I like it. And, and I like that because for one, that's, you know, in a way. Who's in command? As as, <laughs> <laughs> well, as, as much as Rosalind doesn't want it, she kind of needs this moment. <laughs> like she doesn't want bloodshed, but she kind of needs this moment of Adama not being the dude. Then again, that oh, really? makes our, because who's that makes our boy tie. <laughs> that makes our boy tie number one. But oh boy, fuck. I I maybe I'm you know, and it's funny you could you can really get to fucking laugh at how wrong I am probably on this. But like I I'm actually wondering if Ty 
is going to be shaken up enough by this to be like, fuck, the president doing this thing is not our fucking real issue right now. Maybe we maybe we should try to fucking make, you know, just I, I don't want to deal with that kind of, you know, sticky political, you know, decision problem of like, fuck, I've got fucking silent agents shooting officers on my ship. Like I could see him almost kind of shrugging off the the prior charges of mutiny on, on the president and being like, fuck, we got to we got to get back to defense. Interesting. Interesting. Or I, <laughs> or it could be a hardcore. Well, Adama was just going to keep you in jail, but I'm going to fucking sentence you to death. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. I don't know. Ties a wild card, and if God, if his drunk wife is on the scene, who knows? Awesome. What do you think about this season overall, Matt? What Dude. we 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 talked. You were one of the guys who didn't watch for a long time. We talked about it. Um, it, it hasn't really been in the zeitgeist of the viewer. No. Um, it sort of came after social media. Um, I just want to know some of your overall impressions on season one and what you think about the direction of the story. I, I'm genuinely smitten with this show, man. I mean, this, this has, you know, I feel like we talked about this in the, you know, the very first episode or two that this has filled the void in my life of a, a good, you know, long story sci-fi show. Like for, you know, for years that was next generation for me. I did watch my share of Deep Space Nine, watch some Voyager. Really? After that, not nothing really else out there. I didn't really want, I didn't watch Enterprise. You know, there were no other, you know, I, I got, you know, I watched a little bit of Farscape here and there. Never was into it. Watched a handful of episodes of Stargate SG-1. Never really that into it. Like nothing until now has, has, gotten that place in me again of like god this is what good dramatic sci-fi storytelling can do um, sure. and can look like and and i've been missing that and i'm so glad to have it again uh in this show even though it's a show that's been off the air for what 10 12 years now something like that um but it's my feelings overall i feel like i'm i'm, I'm going to be saying what i've already said but i love the sheer mystery and and the the nature of the enemy i think that's always been a downfall of so many other shows even star trek and a lot of, i mean i think you know the borg is a great example of a complex and and truly alien alien uh that they're pretty good but i think the cylons have upped them on that as far as i think it's a weakness of a lot of sci-fis to your alien is just a different colored human antagonist like sure. oh it's a green one with a fucking antenna but it's just a warring species that's trying to kill you and you got to fight back like okay like well that's you know human beings have done that for a long time i i like the ambition of trying to portray an alien race as literally unfathomable to human beings like we cannot when you're trying to sit here and understand their motivations you can't do it because it's not you're you are you know you're you we as human beings we're constantly personifying through thought because that's all we know how to do. We we're we are persons who when we think, we are thinking as if this thing is another person. How do we do? How do we interact with it? And I love that this show has found a way of making it inscrutable to us. When you you can't put human motivations on the Cylons. It's they have something else in mind, something truly alien. Um and that has been so invigorating and exciting of like god, who truly knows what they're going to do. Uh, it's so outside of our our way of thought and of, of any other 
other villains portrayed on screen. You know, I think uh, as much as I, I, I love them, I think the Klingons are like probably the worst example of this. Of like, you just put ridges on some like basically Scottish warrior guys. <laughs> like they're just like warring crazy dudes with swords, and you put ridges on their heads, and sure. now they're aliens. Okay, sure. um, and and I think this is truly a. a huge step above that um that's that's what i've been enjoying the most and then as far as the human characters go we've been gushing about that since the beginning like they are genuinely fleshed out uh they have real reasons to like and be loyal or to dislike one another um you know the the motivations for for guys like zarek i understand the motivations for guys like adama i understand for people like Roslyn, i understand like i like that there is nobody on this show who I see as their decisions are just illogical or totally selfish. You know, there's not there is no one dimensional character or even character choices. I think I I can't think of a single. You know, there have been a handful here and there. Where I go, is that what that character would have done? But I I still think even in those moments, it's a natural contradiction where it, where I'm like that's a a way that a real person may make a contradictory decision that maybe they even regret where that's not really what they normally would have done. That was against their gut. Like, their other, otherwise, man, I, I feel like every character is consistent and, and reasonable. And like, even, even Zarek, you can, when we spend time with these characters, you understand where they're coming from. Yeah, um, I like it, man. It's good shit. It's, I'm so pumped to see how just the mystery unfolds uh, for, the, for the, you know, the Cylon mystery of the show, which is the, as the characters are what keep me here, you know, wondering how Starbuck is, how Adama is, how how Lee is in season two, how Rosalind is. Those are, if they're not there, I'm not really going to keep watching. But I would the, the Cylon intrigue alone. I'm like, write me an entire documentary just about that. Like I would read Wikipedia articles just about the Cylons. Like that is totally fascinating to me. Um, so both of it, I I, I can't wait to just see the direction this goes. There are three great elements to Battlestar Galactica season one and, uh, and, and the miniseries kind of, I roll them into one sort of thing, one through line. And that's what you said. And I'm just going to simplify my thoughts because I think you did a great job. And that's this, you've got a wonderful intrigue in the religious aspect of this show. You have Definitely. a great intrigue on the villains in question and what their true motivation is and what they're after. And then you have these characters. And, on, and, and, under, and they all fall under this umbrella of this great military science fiction that is gritty and it's dramatic. And it was something never before seen by myself in the science fiction world on television. Um, and that's what intrigued me so much about this show in this season in particular, it had sex and blood and betrayal and treachery and all the things that I think make re- like real good Roman storytelling, right? <laughs> True. Yeah. That, that stuff, I love that, that, that type of stuff I love. That's why I think Get- Game of Thrones is so popular. It's bloody and treacherous and people die and people you care about and new lines are drawn and different things happen. And, and it's... And that's what I love about Battlestar Galactica. And that's what I love about this. That, like you said, I come for the characters. Absolutely. I love them. I, you, you know, you named, you named your characters. And again, my, I might be colored by knowing things that happen, but I want to see more from the guys in the Tyrells and the ties. 
right? They're fucking, they're just so good. There's so much there. Oh, and yeah. um, I've always liked the show because I always like the idea of getting a bunch of characters together who all have different little things going on in their heads. And then at times, even sometimes different motivating factors or different goals, which might be in contrast to what other people have, even though they find themselves all on the quote, quote unquote, same team, right? Like guys might have these different motivations. What motivates him to do what he does and make the decisions he does? Like, is he a friendly or is he not? Can he be trusted or not? Right. And just that, what about six? What's going on with Boomer? Does she realize she just shot the old man? I mean, fuck. <laughs> this type of stuff I love. Oh, yeah. It's great. Yeah, but, it still feel so bad for all the boomers. <laughs> all yeah. the boomers out there. What a great show. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to dive right into season two, watching it at least again. But um, it's at this point where I think we should bid these good people adieu and explain a little bit about how we're going to go on with the rest of the coverage of Battlestar Galactica. Um, which will be season two, and that's this. We are going to do this in seasons, much like the show is done in seasons. Matt and I talked a lot about it, um, and some of our reasons are chief among them. We're not going to lie. We, need, we want time. We want a little bit of time between when we cover seasons. Not a ton of time, but we're going to take small hiatuses. So now that you've listened to the miniseries in season one, and now that you've heard us discuss the finale, it's at this time where we're going to announce that we are going to take about four weeks off. And we'll probably do that every season. Take about four weeks off in between releasing these to you guys. It'll give you time to catch up, time to reflect, time to think about things. And if in between seasons we want to do a little bonus thing um, where we get some comments, we've talked about maybe doing something like that, not making any promises. But at this point, consider this podcast on hiatus for one month until we return for season two. So it'll give you a little break. You can get a little break from start, from, from BSG, watch something else you've been watching, and then come back to this, and we'll be right there with you to work your, work our way through the episodes with you at that time. Um, right? Is there, is there anything else we need to say about that, Matt? Yeah. No, this is just enough time. Go knock out the new season of Stranger Things and come back to BSG, baby. Exactly. See you in a month. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> All right, so um, thank you very much for tuning into the first season of Battlestar Galactica. I'm very proud that we've been able to bang this thing out. Um, it's crazy that we've recorded this and we have yet to release any of it to the public. We did give our members at the Illuminati, the, the Liberty Geek Illuminati, um, that we sort of made as, a, as sort of ironic, but it stuck. <laughs> um, we let them listen to a lot of these early, which is kind of cool, so they're, they're going to have them before the the regular folks do. And um, I'm looking forward to uh, to getting through this. We're, you know, about a quarter of the way through and there's so a lot more good. to go through and I'm looking forward to it. And I'm glad that you're staying spoiler-free. That makes it a lot of fun. Definitely. Cool. Well, we'll bid you adieu. We will see you guys in four weeks, approximately one month. I don't know what date that's going to be because I don't know what date this is going to be released. <laughs> this is, we are definitely speaking in the past. <laughs> but it will be four weeks from today. Um, we are going to get out of here and, uh, we'll catch you guys on the flip side. So say we all. 